Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we thank and praise you for your goodness and your love to us. We ask now that you would take this service and use it to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Take your Bibles if you would. And let's go to the book of Zephaniah. And um, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. We've just got a few more to do. And uh, got Obadiah and Zechariah and Micah are all that's left of the minor prophets. And uh, so we're going to be trying to cover those and then get to something a little more cheery on Thursday nights. Amen. Uh, but this is... God's message in every part of the Bible, and yet the thing that we see uh, repeated even in uh, these obscure passages, and uh, as I've titled tonight's message, he's the prophet of doom and redemption. I mean, uh, Zephaniah was not one of those guys that had read, uh, I can't remember the first name, but it was somebody, Dale Carnegie, I think his book on how to win friends and influence people, uh, how to be nice. Uh, that wasn't Zephaniah. Uh, Zephaniah wasn't necessarily trying to be mean, but his message was not pleasant because his message was to a people that refused to be corrected. Have you ever met someone that was having some difficulties? This thing is making a lot of extra noise tonight. I'm just going to turn that off if you don't mind. There we go. Um, and, And you stopped by and you just said, listen, can I help you? And they said, no! And you're sitting there going, whoa, what did I do wrong? All I want to do is be a help. I don't need no help. I'm doing fine just the way I am. You'd like to say, well, that may be your opinion, but a, a, a normal person's opinion, someone with a little more sense than you would have, would say, you are in deep, deep trouble right now, and you could certainly use some help. But when a person refuses What can you do except leave them to their own devices? And that was Zephaniah's message. And so we start here in verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hizkiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Now, he gives four previous generations to himself, I think, or did I count that wrong? One, two, three, four. Yes, there we go. And uh, he, he gives those generations, and that tells us something. He was from a long-standing family in the nation of Israel, and someone says, what's the significance of, of all those names? Well, Zephaniah knew, but nobody else does today. Uh, we just have no record of any of these names coming up anywhere else in the Bible. There's no connection, but uh, certainly a man that could give uh, five generations of his history uh, would be a citizen in good standing in the land of Israel. And he prophesied in the days of Josiah. 
Now, he's going to talk about the destruction of Nineveh coming, which happened uh, later in the reign, uh, in the very la- last days of Josiah, shortly in that time period. So, the best we know, Zephaniah was uh, in the early part of Josiah's reign. If you remember, Josiah was the boy king. He, he became king when he was eight years old. And that first part of his reign... From the time he was eight years old until he was 25 years old, there just wasn't a lot going on in the land of Israel that that is recorded. Now, when he became 25, he took charge of some things and he began the cleansing and and the reinstitution of the temple in Jerusalem and, and he purged the land round about from all the false uh, deities. Josiah was certainly uh, one of the great uh, bright spots in a, in a dark history of the southern kingdom of Judah. But Zephaniah was before all those kinds of things began to happen. And we have uh, also just a note that seven times in the three short chapters, the day... That phrase, the day, is used. The day of the Lord, the day of the Lord's anger is used twice. The day of the Lord's sacrifice. Uh, And six times out of the seven times, it's talking about the coming day of judgment. Now, we know what happened to the land of Judah, do we not? Uh, We have... Uh, Josiah was the king, then his son reigned after him only a few short months, and Pharaoh Necho in Egypt put another son of Josiah as the king, and then that son actually had a son that reigned after him until the king of Babylon came and took him out, and then took another one of Josiah's sons and made him the king, and he's the last one. So, I mean, God's destruction came to the city of Jerusalem just as Zephaniah prophesied. The last time God uses it is he's talking about a prophecy of rebuilding, redeeming, and bringing back his people. God has not cast off Israel. He has not forgotten about the Jewish people or his covenants with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their seed after him. But you got to get saved the same way. There is only one way of salvation. That is faith in Jesus Christ. That, that's the only way that any person can have any hope of eternity. And so Zephaniah introduces himself. He says, In the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Israel, verse 2 I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea. And the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. 
I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place in the name of the Chemerims with the priest, and them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and swear by the Lord, and that swear by Malchem, And them that are turned back from the Lord and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guests. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. In the same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold, which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate and an howling from the second and a great crashing from the hills. How ye inhabitants of Maktish, For all the merchant people are cut down, all that bear silver are cut off, and it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and will punish the men that are settled on their lees that say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Therefore their good shall become a booty, and their houses a desolation, and they shall also build houses but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man, shall cry there bitterly. And we've got another four verses there that finish out chapter 1. But... uh, just like we've studied with some of the other minor prophets, what did he leave out? I mean, he says, God says, I'm going to, re- I'm going to remove, I'm going to consume man and beast, the fowls, the fish. Uh, I'm going to cut off men from the earth. Uh, and it's interesting in the midst of this, what we may even call a tirade, is God is just pronouncing judgment He says, I'm going to get rid of the stumbling blocks with the wicked. You know, God has a purpose in his terrible judgment. And when a people have corrupted themselves to the point the nation of Israel had done so at this time. You know, one of of the clarion calls of our day, and of course, I I say that a little tongue-in-cheek because clarion call is a clear message, but one of the clarion calls of our day is compromise. Uh, The clarion voice of our day, the clear message is we, we need not to be dogmatic about things. You know, that's the real problem is when somebody stands up and says, Thus saith the Lord, that's the problem. Just like the people that stand up and say, Thus saith whatever. And yet, it's amazing how many of them get up. I was reading an article today that our, that our current president has put 
every president of the United States, except himself in one category, as failed presidents, and himself in a category all by himself as the only president that is doing great things for the American people. Now, how, how do you describe this? I mean, the only word that comes to my mind is delusional. I mean, is 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 that not a good word? I mean, it, it is someone that has no comprehension of reality. And the idea here is, if we want to learn about our nation and our people today, read the Minor Prophets. It's God in His judgment is going to get rid of the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And He said that He is going to cut off the inhabitants of Jerusalem. But why? Because He's going to get rid of the mention of Baal. Now, Baal was one of those things that you see all the way through the New Testament, all all the way through the Old Testament. And and the word Baal just simply means Lord or Master. Uh, it's the same word that we use, but of course the reason it's translated Baal in our Bible because it was not talking about the Lord God of the Bible. It was talking about the Lord gods of all of the people around them. It was talking about the false gods. And then you have this, uh, uh, and the name of the Chemerims and what they were was false priests that had come in in Israel. And at this time, they had established themselves a genealogy much like the Levites had. Do you remember Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin? He had consecrated priests of the lowest sort. Now, what that simply means is, He went down to the dark side of town where the bad people lived. And we're talking about dark deeds and where the bars were and where uh, the people that had no character and couldn't pay their rent and didn't want to pay their rent and did all kinds of dirty dealing. I mean, every town's got some areas like that. New York, of course, we have none, right? Uh, Most of us know where those areas are and we try to stay away from them because... could be dangerous, especially late at night. But listen, that's where he went. And he said, hey, would you like a real job? No, not me, man. I don't want a real job. And he said, no, no, no. He says, you're going to get great pay and you're going to get great food and the benefits are unbelievable. All you got to do is come and throw some animals on the altar and pretend to be a priest and dress up a little bit and we'll even buy you clothes. And Hey, man, that sounds like my kind of job. And that's where these Chemerims came from. And they had been doing this for generations. And nobody stopped them. Remember how it talks about the different kings? And it says... Only the high places were not taken away. Well, that was the Chimurim's job. 
They were the guys that maintained the high places, the places of false worship. And God says, listen, the only way I'm going to get rid of them is I'm going to have to get rid of everybody. I'm going to have to just wipe the whole thing out. And we come down here and and God begins to list the groups that he is going to judge. He said, I'm going to start in the king's palace and the king's family. Those that are dressed in clothed in verse 8 in strange apparel. Now, believe it or not, the Lord had a dress code for Israel. You can read it in, in the book of Leviticus. Uh, Jewish people were supposed to wear uh, all of their robes was supposed to have a ribbon of blue around the bottom. So that as they walked down the road, they would look at their robe flapping in the wind or even just with the movement, they'd see that ribbon of blue and it was supposed to remind them that we're not like everybody else. You say, well, what if your the ribbon of blue didn't, didn't match uh, the clothes that you had? You put it on anyway. You see, it was to be on every garment that you wore. And God had told them that they weren't supposed to wear mixed clothing. Of course, uh, we you can't buy, I don't think. It's hard to find something that's not mixed. Uh, but God said, listen, I want you to... To, to wear clothing that's made out of one type of material. Why? Because God wanted them to understand that He was a single-minded God. I mean, what is one of the new advertising they use? We're going to make you rethink your ideas about church. I, I like what one guy did. He put a, actually made it into a bumper sticker. He said, church that your grandmother would appreciate. Now, I kind of like that one myself. How about you? In fact, I told that to one of the soldiers during Fleet Week. We were visiting on the ship and talking. And he says, I need to go to church. And I said, well, you'd like our church. I said, it's church like your grandmother would go to. And he said, well, my grandmother's the one that took me to church the first time. And so hopefully he's at least looking at the website and downloading a few sermons. Uh, I mean, we don't know what will happen. But what we don't need is something new. We've got too much of what God... And God says, listen, I'm going to judge those that are leading the way away from what would appear to us as to be the smaller regulations of God. uh, To be the lesser things. But God starts there. And then He goes on and He talks about them that leap on the threshold. And, uh, And that's one of those phrases that commentators, they just love things like this. Wow, what does that mean to leap on the threshold? Well, just read the next phrase. That fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. I mean, we have people today and knock on your door and you open the door 
And they stick a foot in and won't let you close the door until they get in and steal everything in your house. I mean, doesn't that go on? That's what it's talking about here. It's talking about people who prepare themselves to take advantage of other people. I mean, when you invite somebody into your house, you want them to wipe their feet on the carpet. Some people like you to take your shoes off. Other people don't mind if you wear your shoes as long as you wipe them off before you come in. But if somebody just jumped through the door in big muddy boots and started tracking all over your house, would they be welcome? I mean, what does that say about the person? That they're absolutely inconsiderate of anything except what they want to do. I mean, God says, listen, I'm going to judge that. I'm going to judge those that aren't careful. And then the next group that he comes in is, uh, he said, there's going to be a noise in the fish gate and a howling in the second or the second gate. And there's a crashing from the hills and Then he talks about the inhabitants of Mactish in verse 11. And you look up that word and it means mortar. So what are the inhabitants of mortar? Mortar is what holds the bricks together. But from the best that we can understand, that was a part of Jerusalem where the working people lived. They called it the Valley of the Cheesemakers in one place. They had another name for it. But it was a place where the commerce went on. It was a place where the manufacturing was done. It was a place where the people that were making Jerusalem work were living. And God says, listen, I'm going to judge them. He says, I'm going to come in and he says, I'm going to search Jerusalem with a candle. And he says, I'm going to punish those that are settled on their leaves. Now, uh, that is a term... It comes from uh, the uh, aging of grape juice. And I'm very careful in how they say that because not all aging of grape juice produces alcoholic beverage. It, it doesn't have to. It can. And the lees are the rinds and the pieces of fruit that make it into the bottle in the bottom and often uh, uh, add the flavor and stuff. But if you... If you don't take the wine out and pour it and, and, and get rid of that sediment, they tell us that it will make it bitter. And it says that these men are settled on their lees, that they haven't been moved. And this is used in several other uh, of the prophets as well. You know, that's why the one prophet said what? Break up your fallow ground. That's why the Bible says we we need to get stirred up every once in a while. We need to allow ourselves to be challenged. And these people had become so settled in their idea of God, they said, listen, I can't see God doing anything. He's not doing anything good. He's not doing anything bad. If there is a God, He's not concerned with us. Well, open up the newspaper. Isn't that what they say? All the time. You see, there's no such thing as an honest atheist. But this is 
the heart and the mentality of what we call an agnostic. Someone who just simply says, Well, I believe in God, but he's not doing anything. I mean, some phrases that you'll hear is, "Uh, I believe hell is right here on earth. I'd like to get them in a conversation with the people that believe heaven is here on earth. And just let them go at it a little bit and try to figure this out. And Because hell is a whole lot worse than it is here on earth and heaven is a whole lot better. Uh, but God has put us here and God says he's going to judge them and he's going to take away their things and that the mighty man is going to cry. That no one is going to stand and we get down to verse 18 of chapter 1, it says, Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. Obviously, Zephaniah has not listened to 880 AM or any of the news talk radio stations that constantly advertise to put your IRA in gold so that when it happens, you'll be safe. Uh, Zephaniah was not listening to them because... It doesn't matter what you have. When the day of God's judgment comes, it's not going to do you any good. You are not going to buy your way out. And that brings us to chapter 2. Same ver- Second verse, same as the first, only a little bit louder and a little bit worse, is a little children's song, they say. And, and so we move to ver- chapter 2, and yet before God really digs in here, He, he makes a, a plea in the first few verses here. He says, gather yourselves together. Yea, gather together, O nation not desired. Now, why would He call His people? A nation not desired. It's because they were totally unaware that they had lost God's favor because of their sin. An illustration is Samson. Remember Samson who dallied with sin and kept hinting to Delilah what was the source of his strength. And finally he broke down and told her, And she tormented him as in the past, the Philistines be upon thee. And it says, he wist not the Lord was departed from him. And we have Zephaniah telling the nation of Israel, don't you understand? You're not in that favored status of God anymore. You're not just the recipients of his blessing His judgment is being ready to be poured out on you. And then he says, before the decree bring forth, before the day, another use here, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, he says, listen, you think it's bad now. Everything I prophesied hasn't happened yet. You have got some time between now and when it happens. And here's what you're supposed to do with it. Look at verse 3. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be 
ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. People often say, Pastor, what are we supposed to do? We live in such a wicked world. Everything is corrupt. Every, uh, everything is just bad and wrong and nothing is getting better. What are we supposed to do? Well, Zephaniah has the answer to that question right here. He doesn't say, run out and get a hold of the king and straighten him out. Go to the temple and, and, and argue with the priest and try to get the priest to do things the right way. Don't go to your neighbor and try to straighten them out. He says, you seek the Lord. Ye that do his judgments. You know what that tells me? That no matter how bad it gets out there, it's still possible for me to live for the Lord right here in my life. And part of my life is out there. But I can still do His judgments. You know what? Even as bad as it is, the United States has yet to make a law against obeying God. Amen? And it says that we can seek the Lord, the meek of the earth, we're to seek righteousness. Now, how do I seek righteousness? I seek righteousness in my life, amen? I mean, I would like to, to, to straighten things out in, in, in City Hall. That would be a wonderful job. Uh, take the rest of my life. How about yours? Uh, straighten things out in Albany? I mean... Uh, we have been voted as the most corrupt state in the United States. The most corrupt government of any state in the United States is undoubtedly uh, unanimous decision, New York. Second one, I think it's Connecticut, and the third is New Jersey. I mean, we got a lock in the Northeast on this thing. Um, that's the wonderful part of the country to live in. But that's not my goal. Because that won't get straightened out until we get straightened out. Every one of us could put our hands up and say, I could use some work in my personal life. Amen? And that is the answer. That is what I am to occupy my energies with even in these wicked days. And this little gem is stuck in the middle of all the doom and gloom of Zephaniah's prophecy. You want protection? Don't get a gold IRA or a silver IRA or a, uh, invest in Swiss francs or... Whatever you're going to do to protect yourself, seek the Lord. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. Again, what is meekness? Operating under the authority of another. And so, as I operate under God's authority instead of all the authorities around me that are trying to tell me how to do things wrong, it says that it may be that I'll be hid in the days of God's wrath. 
And you have to understand something. The term, the day of the Lord, is used here in in Zephaniah's prophecy, but it's not talking about the coming day of the Lord that we're waiting on when the tribulation period begins and all of these things happen. You know what? God's judgment may come upon our nation before the Lord comes back. We have no guarantees. But you want protection in that day? Seek the Lord now. Seek His righteousness. Seek His meekness. That He would protect us. Amen? And so then we start in verse 4, and we go down to verse 15 of chapter 2, and here's the list. Number one on the list, Gaza, Ascalon, Ekron, the nation of the Cherethites. Now, if you're familiar with your Bible, you've seen that term before. There was a group of Cherethites, that's another name for the Philistines, that followed David. They were good guys. But this is talking about the land of the Philistines. And even in this day, those people that lived in that land had no love for Israel. And God says, I'm going to start with them. And then he starts with Moab and Ammon. And he talks about Moab as Sodom and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah. And that they were going to be totally destroyed and that there was nothing going to be growing there but nettles and salt pits. Why? Verse verse 10, This shall they have for their pride, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord. The Lord will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and men shall worship him, every one from his place, even all the isles of the heathen. And then, verse 12, the Ethiopians... Verse 13, the Assyrians and Nineveh comes in to mention here. And let's just pick up the last two verses. It says, And flocks shall lie down in the midst of her. All the beasts of the nations, both the cumorant and the bittern, shall lodge in the upper lintels of it. Their voice shall sing in the windows. Desolation shall be in the thresholds, for he shall uncover the cedar work. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly, that said in her heart, I am, and there is none beside me. How has she become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down in? Everyone that passeth by her shall hiss and wag his head. So, it's the, the city of Nineveh will be a place where the owls and the buzzards, the vultures, are going to sit in the windowsills. Why? Because there's no people there. When it talks about flocks laying down in the streets, uh, the streets were made of dirt, and some of them had some paving, the main streets and stuff. But what happens when you leave them alone? The paving stones sink down into the earth, and the grass starts growing. The The dust piles up. Just try not sweeping your sidewalk out front for a week. 
and look at all the dust that builds up and the grass will start growing even in the little gutters and things. It says, there's going to be enough grass growing in the street that the sheep are going to be able to graze right in the middle of the main street. That's how desolate Nineveh. And by the way, that prophecy has been fulfilled. And Nineveh today is a desert. There, there is nothing there but the ruins of the ancient city. And we come to chapter 3. Third verse. Only this time it's talking about Jerusalem. And verses 1 through 7 is the destruction of Jerusalem. And God describes her, number one, he says, Woe to her that is filthy and polluted to the oppressing city. Now, what he's talking about here is a city, is a people that have not been cleansed from their sin as they ought to have been. They are corrupted. The idea of pollution even to this day is something that gets down into. We have pollution that seeps through the ground and into the well water. And then when you drink the well water, it's got poison in it. And that's what God is talking about. It's the, the corruption is endemic. There's oppression. She obeyed not the voice of the Lord. She received not correction. Now look at this next one. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. How do you trust in the Lord? By just getting close to Him. Amen. But when God says something, you just simply say yes. Instead of why. That's what God wants from us. And then it talks about her princes are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bones till the morrow. Because they're always out looking for new prey is what the reference is. Look how it says about our prophets, their light. They have no depth to them. Uh, they're treacherous. They're always looking for something for themselves. Now look at verses 5 and 6. It says, The just Lord is in the midst thereof. He will not do iniquity. Every morning doth he bring his judgment to light. He faileth not. But the unjust knoweth no shame. I have cut off the nations. Their towers are desolate. I have made their streets waste that none passeth by. Their cities are destroyed. So there is no man that there is none inhabitant. I said, surely thou wilt fear me. Thou wilt receive instruction. So their dwelling should not be cut off. Howsoever I punished them. But they rose early and corrupted all their doings. Then we pick up in verse 8 with what God said in verse 3 of chapter 2. He told the meek that they were to seek the Lord. They were to seek righteousness. They were to seek meekness. And here he says, Therefore wait ye on me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them my indignation, even all my fierce anger. 
For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Verse 9, For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. Consent. You know what? God has a set pattern that he wants us to approach him and worship him. No, it's not an incantation. No, it's not just repeating words. But God does have a pattern. If you're going to approach God, number one, you're going to deal with the issue of your personal sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to get saved. Once you're saved, what's the next step? Anybody want to take a venture? Baptism. What does that mean? That means being a member of the church and serving God in His church. You see, that's God's plan. It's not a complicated thing. And it says that God will turn to the people a pure language. God in His plan is going to set up His kingdom here on earth. And we are looking forward to that day when the Prince of Peace does rule this earth from the city of peace because then there will be peace. And there's not going to be peace until that day. So what are we supposed to do? We're to seek the Lord. We're to seek righteousness. We're to seek meekness. And we're to wait on the Lord. You know what? How many of you wish that eternity could start today? That we would just be with the Lord. There'd be no more tests. uh, No more rules. No more problems. No more anything. We'd just be with the Lord. That would be so wonderful. But that's not His plan. He has left us down here. Why? Because He wants us to reach somebody with His message. And God wants us to just simply be faithful. And it says that He is going to cleanse. He's going to remove the the proud out. And He is going to leave the afflicted and the poor because they'll trust in His name. Verse 12. Verse 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He has cast out thine enemy, the king of Israel. Even the Lord is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thy hands be slack. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee, is mighty. He will save He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Verse 20. At that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth. When I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. That's the prophecy of Zephaniah. Again, most of it is not very pleasant. And the horror that happened in the city of Jerusalem as the Babylonian army sacked the city three different times, finally raising it to the ground. 
and, and burning all the main houses and destroying the city walls and laying it desolate. Let me tell you something. The horrors of that those days were far more than anything that we would like to take time to describe here in a church service. And it happened. And every mighty kingdom has been destroyed down through history. If you want protection, seek the Lord before it happens. Because when it happens, you won't be able to do anything. That's why the mighty man is going to cry bitterly because all of his might won't protect him in that day. But those that have sought the Lord, it says it may be that you'll be hid in the day of his wrath. And so we look to the Lord. We look to him to do his great things. And the Lord has given us plenty to do in these last days. Amen? If we'll just seek him, Seek His righteousness. Seek meekness. And wait on the Lord. I don't know how many hours I've wasted trying to think of all the things that God ought to do to straighten this place out. Has anybody else ever done that? Most of us have on occasion. And you know what? Just wasted time. Get to know the Lord. And when the time comes, he'll be our protector. Amen? And that's how we deal with so much of what's going on today. I mean, I I keep hearing from different preachers. went to a preacher's fellowship this week. And, of course, one of the main topics was, yeah, look at what they're going to do. They're going to do this and they're going to do that. And they were talking about taxing churches and and, uh, all of those things. And... Uh, I'll tell you what, the day's coming. And uh, what we need to do instead of being afraid and worrying about when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen, because none of us in here are smart enough to figure it out, what we got to do is be faithful to the Lord. Amen? And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, this prophecy is... Uh, ends with a wonderful promise of your redemption and bringing back Israel. And Lord, we know that most of those prophecies will be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom and in the new Jerusalem. Yet, Lord, help us just to be faithful today and tomorrow and to serve you till you come for us. In your name we pray. And we'll take just a moment and keep our heads bowed.